Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth you will bring me up again. Psalm 71, verses 19 and 20. I love it when the uh, you uh, get a, a question coming out of Scripture that sort of like is like a, a bomb that goes off. Who is like you? It's, it reminds me of Jesus at uh, um, Caesarea Philippi, where he says, but who do you say that I am? And so the question uh, in the church today, in the preaching, and, and what people, the congregation is learning, uh, who is like God? Who is like Jesus? Uh, he's a totally unique in every way, in, in, in every terms you could uh, think about. Uh, but oftentimes uh, in churches I have attended, uh, they preach anything but Jesus and anything but his uniqueness. This is a end result of multiple years of centering our life on ourselves rather than God. And so in many places, church has become another form of secular humanism where we present the the best of humankind forward and basically the brotherhood of humanity and trying to create a better world as opposed to looking towards a God who is above it all and offers us better solutions. So Chuck, you, you mentioned secular humanism. Exactly what is that? Uh, is it a, it's kind of a philosophy or is it a religion? Uh, and why is it so prevalent today? And why is it in the church? I would call it a, a somewhat of a religion, more of a philosophical underpinning. It's, it's a naturalistic, scientific explanation of everything, which takes spiritual components out of it. And so thus the name secularism, uh, that divide between the sacred and uh, the secular, that it happened philosophically really over centuries. I mean, it started in the 15th century with monism, which was this whole idea that meaning uh, moved from coming from God to humans creating the meaning. And then a whole process through the centuries, uh, through the scientific revolution and the whole demythologizing of the scriptures and moving God out of the scene and coming up with natural explanations for things that leaves the spiritual world out. And it's been a long process. Uh, there's a classic tome on it written by uh, Charles Taylor. And uh, it's called, I think, believe the, the age of secularism. It's huge. And what's happened in our lives is we've moved from a universe or worldview perspective uh, prior to the 15th century, where people couldn't imagine a world without God, uh, to where we're at today that many people can't imagine a world with God. Uh, they've become so disillusioned in that. And so we've replaced our faith in God with faith in other things and what we can accomplish as human beings. I wish I had known that when I returned to uh, church back in the late 1980s, because uh, one of the things uh, 
one of the things that happened to me is uh, I had started shedding my secular humanism uh, as a worthwhile uh, pursuit. And I was looking for something different in the church, uh, the churches I was attending, and I was getting secular hu humanism, uh, kind of poorly defined. It never was said, this is our uh, new trinity, secular humanism is made up of this, that, and the other thing. But it never was actually out and out pronounced. So you would get a lot of um, teaching, but it really wasn't, it was around Jesus, but it wasn't really about Jesus or um, it wasn't about faith. It wasn't about the kind of things we talk about in these recordings. And eventually I kind of uh, caught on to the game and then started looking for churches uh, because many of the church, many of the churches I went to were actually versions of what you're talking about. Yeah. It's not something that people intended to do where they even have a, a statement of it. It, it. Worldviews shift and change over time. And I, I would even say some very, what I would call biblically oriented preachers, people who say that, you know, they lift Jesus up and everything, really are just offering another form of self-help secular humanism uh, in their expressions. And it, it's a reflex in us because we have been formed in a culture and a worldview that's there. And it takes uh, discernment and really readdressing the scriptures in their biblical context and their historical context to really understand uh, what Jesus was saying so that we can communicate him in a way that stands incarnationally engaged in the culture in which we live, but also prophetically. The scripture always stands prophetic over my worldview and some of the assumptions that I have in this world.